It's because I'm neurotic. I mean, I think that's pretty clear. Not that you're not, but I think I'm. I think it's. I think it's probably fair to say I'm more neurotic. Don't maybe, you think? Maybe. <laughs> well, maybe that's a, so. For today, I've I've had thoughts that I thought would yeah. would make you just as annoyed as our consciousness conversation from last. Oh week, yeah. So. Well, that's good. Yeah, I was gonna say this is a good place to start, right? On the yeah. neurotic. Yeah. So we'll start the episode. <laughs> so I, I wonder if I'm gonna piss you off today. Yeah, I hope. I, I I'm gonna try to, uh, you know, keep a level head. So, <laughs> You're like, yeah. F- you? <laughs> <laughs> Screw you guys. Yeah, I'm going home. <laughs> um, no, 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 no. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, was, I listened back to the episode and I, <laughs> I was getting exasperated, but it was yeah. good for me to get exasperated because it's like, it's kind of like the phlogiston thing. It's, mm-hmm. it's for more, I just felt like I wasn't explaining it well and I was getting frustrated at myself, but it was coming off as if I was, I mean, you know, <laughs> I did tell you to go read, but, right. uh, and, and the, and the fact is, even if you knew a lot about physiology and neuroanatomy and whatnot, you would, I agree. You would, you, there's a very good chance you would come to the same conclusion that, you know, you don't really know what's seeming versus being, I guess right. is the distinction mm-hmm. that you were making. Uh, so we're talking about Rose Wilder Lane last uh, last episode. Yeah, we're talking right? about Rose Wilder Lane this week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, what is it? Discovery of Freedom. <laughs> we yeah. finished the book, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I definitely finished. It. Yeah. 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 No, I did not. Not even close. Yeah. I got like a hundred pages to go. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, that's you know, it's it's okay. I mean, did you read the? Uh, what did you read? Uh, uh, I read the feudal system. I read oh, okay. uh, the English liberties, and I'm into the third attempt. Okay. Yeah, I was hoping one of us would have finished the third attempt, but it's okay. <laughs> I was hoping to, and I just it's been yeah. very busy. Um, but I I sort of skimmed the last. I got through a decent amount of the third attempt and then I skimmed the last pages. I mean, nice. to be fair, and this is nothing against her. I mean, a lot of it is examples and she's sort of reiterating a lot of the things. Mm-hmm. And then at the very end, she does start telling what her prescriptions are of nice. like v- with respect to voting and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so we can get into that a little bit. Uh, yeah. But yeah, no, I agree. I, I also read the feudal system in the English uh, system or whatever it's called. What's it called? The, the English-, English liberties. The English liberties, and then yeah, and then a chunk of the third attempt, right. which is basically about America, right? America, the, the the third attempt at at shedding shedding our pagan religions. Yes, yes, and and realizing that all men are free. That's her yes. mantra. Yes, yes, and yes. I, we can add all people. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe that should be the title. All people are free, Antushka. Maybe, maybe, know. maybe. We'll, I feel we'll, like there's a lot of potentially good titles for this one. There's a lot yes. of there's a lot of kind of spicy <laughs> stuff that I yeah. pulled out for this one. But uh, yeah, Uh-oh. what do you want to start with? The feudal system. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yes, so I think. Why don't we talk one. about what that is? Because actually, it's a term mm-hmm. that I hear a lot, and I, at least until recently, didn't have a good sense for what it meant. Well, it's a double view of reality. <laughs> of course, <laughs> obviously. Yeah, if uh, you look it up says. in the dictionary, feudal system means double view of reality. <laughs> People be like, oh, that's that makes sense. sense. I mean, it's funny because she starts off by saying that. And so what, what she means by that, though, is that you have the old world system where, uh, you know, uh, 
Okay, so they tried to combine the ancient pagan superstition that authority controls the static universe with a knowledge that men are free. And mm -hmm. so this is the idea that the old world view is static, right? And then, and we talked about that before. And the new world view is that, no, all people are free. And also this comes from the Abrahamic tradition, essentially. And, and, and this is how the English got it through Christendom. Right, essentially. right, right. Um, and I thought that was an interesting point because she is making basically two. Uh, she's she's using the term like monarchists and mm -hmm. then feudalists, basically. Yes. Right. And and so the idea is that all of Europe became feudal at one point, but then the monarchists took back over. Mm -hmm. And you're right; we should just define feudalism. Do you have a good? Before I get in all that, do you have a good definition somewhere? Uh, uh -huh. So my my understanding of feudalism has to do with. Uh, a class-based system right. of serfs, lords, and then in conjunction with uh, aristocracy and clergy. And so there's these different sort of strata of society that each have their places in society mm -hmm. and uh, kind of end up ruling in kind of uh, a tiered system down. So lords are in charge of their little fiefdom areas and then the aristocracy is in charge of larger areas, and then the clergy sort of informs that in a slightly different way, like the 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 pope against the kings and things like that. Right, and it does seem like this. She's making the link that this came out of the Catholic Church, which is very bureaucratic and hierarchical. Right. Um, which so that would make sense that this is how Europeans learn to be feudal. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and so that was also an important point that she was making is that, uh, yeah, the, well, I guess I already made this point, but, you know, from, it, it, this was kind of an interesting contradiction about Catholicism, but mm -hmm. she was saying how they, they had the spiritual realm, which where, which is basically where all people are, are equal. Right. And then you had the, you had the re, you know, the real realm where there was a hierarchy and, you know, but you could you could become, you, everybody will become equal eventually when they die. Right. Um, and this sort of kept people in a, in a stasis and, and, and whatnot because there was always the hope that, okay, yes, we'll become free. But it also incepted this idea that, you know, all men are equal or all people are equal, which then perv got perverted into, you know, this mm -hmm. form now. Right. Anyway, um, not perverted, but I'm, I'm being obviously funny. By right. using that, because I agree with the idea that that we should be moving towards that. Um, but I just thought that was interesting because, yeah, she was making that point that feudalism came out of Christendom, it seems, um, mm -hmm. and from the church, and and yeah, and so, but on the continent, on the continent of Europe, mm -hmm. it eventually got replaced by like monarchists, essentially took over again um, and reestablished their dominion, right, and this old world view. But it was preserved in England for a variety of reasons. I think also to an extent, does she talk about the Dutch? Yes, but, a little bit. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and this is kind of, she's using as like the precursor. It was the kernel. They saved this idea that all, all people are free, right. the English. And even though it was a little bit perverted in the sense that you still had to stay within, as you said, a rigid class structure. Sorry, mm -hmm. I'm talking too much already. Okay. I think the point that she made about uh, the, the Protestant Reformation mm. being no different in terms of its 
sort of right. pagan system, even though it uh, it sort of seems on its face like it's a push towards individualism. Mm-hmm. It's actually just another version of maintaining the authority of, in capitals, the church. You know, right. the, the church ideas, the church rules, all of that. Right. Yeah, and I... I I remember reading that and being like disagreeing a little bit, but I see what her ultimate point is, is that it was still people trying to gain power essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, But that being said, you never, you know, you didn't get a centralized authority like you got in Catholicism. Even now it's like Protestants. There's just so many different, I mean, there's different types of Catholicism, but generally everybody's, you know, everybody's looking at the Pope Right for their marching orders, whereas it doesn't exist in Protestantism. Um, but the I would say the the I guess it depends on where where the edges of Protestantism. Yeah, it's true. Are. And as I said that, you know, I'm thinking of the LDS, you know, Latter Day Saints. I mean, they have right. basically are they Protestants or they're a whole different thing. I would I basically put. I mean, I think if you're a Catholic, anybody that's not Catholic, well, that's is fine. Protestant, but there's no way they consider themselves Protestants. Yeah, well, you know, okay. Well, because I like I don't the, know, actually. everything that's Calvinist, yeah, uh, sure, yes, and like yes. Baptist and all those offshoots don't call themselves Protestants. Yeah, yeah, but see, that's I mean, yeah, okay. I don't know enough about this, but I just think it's you know I think it's silly because yeah, you think of Calvin in my head is like a, a typical Protestant. <laughs> anyway, right, right, I right. get it. Yeah, nobody because wants to be labeled. My, my understanding of Protestantism is. Lutheranism, mm-hmm. and then the offshoots from that, essentially. Yeah, I mean, you're you. I think probably know more and about the, this than I the do. The Presbyterian movement it's actually different. What? I <laughs> thought I was Protestant. <laughs> well, Presbyterian—that's the—that's where Calvinism comes from. Right. See, I don't know anything. And then, like Baptist and Anabaptist and Pentecostals mm-hmm. and all that is Presbyterian offshoot. Sure, and we're all satanic in the Pope's eyes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then the Pope is satanic in everyone else's eyes. Yeah, exactly. Everybody's, Everybody's satanic. Satan. Everybody's Satan. Maybe that's the title. Hell yeah! <laughs> <laughs> that's so metal. I love it. Uh, yeah, yeah, that is pretty metal. Um. Cool. Okay. So yeah, I think that's a decent. Basically, when when they say feudal, I think of higher like a strict hierarchy, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you were but but it's a little bit more decentralized too. Is I guess the other idea is that you know while there was a king of England, it's it was more difficult for the king of England to rally everybody because you had to go mm-hmm. through you know, the barons or whatever and the lords and stuff. And then they had to rally their people and and the barons were allowed to, or whatever they were called, the lords were allowed to also go and fight other lords. And, you know, right. um, but they it, just, yeah. I think an important point that she makes is it's based on a worldview of a static universe though. That these class systems mm-hmm. are static. A serf right. is going right. to be a serf and right. their children are going to be serfs and it's always right. a serf. A right. baron is always a baron. Yep. King is right. always royalty, and that, right. that is the way it will always be. Right. Yes. Wealth and that's a cannot good point. be created. The only thing that right. it can be, do is transfer. So you can transfer wealth, you can transfer right. land through war, all, all sorts of things. Yes, and, and that's a good point uh, because while feudalism was sort of preserving a kernel of this idea that all people are free, it still was a, an old world mentality. And, 
And yeah, it's interesting because you can still kind of see that today is like there's a very strict, a much stricter class system in England and, and Europe than there certainly is in America. Although right. uh, we are sort of getting <laughs> ossified. Yeah, bit. we are. I mean, we're moving. What's interesting also is the view of America that Lane is presenting. Right. I think is something that we have moved. Yes. Pretty far from. I mean, yeah, maybe, I mean not, she, maybe not entirely. No, I agree. Yeah, yeah. I agree completely. I mean, she was basically, I would say, because again, she wrote this in early 40s, 1940s, and she was raising alarm bells about where things were going, as was Burnham, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and, uh, and, and a lot of what they said, you know, I think did come to pass. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, she, in the end of the third attempt, she's talking about how people today don't even realize, and she was talking again about young people in the 40s, right. mm -hmm. uh, like Chomsky, <laughs> actually, though. Um, they didn't, they weren't, they don't remember a time before all of the sort of technological advances mm -hmm. that just happened. And, and I still think, yeah, if being uh, born in like 1870 and living through that period was probably one of the crazier yeah, so times crazy. to live in terms of the things that you would. Like you just dirt roads, and then all of a sudden you're flying in an airplane potentially right. at the end of your life. And I mean, there's electricity. It's something funny that I like to think about is you know, in regards to a lot of these these Reddit arguments, <laughs> what I find is that yeah. people really lack the imagination of what the world was like before something that they take for granted existed, and it's really easy for something to become. Uh, sort of uh, to extend forever in the past in their mind. Yeah, I think that's everybody, though. You know what I mean? And this is where I could be. So, like, we have paved roads now. Right. And so, right. And so yeah. you talk about, you know, government not funding the roads. And it's like, mm -hmm. well, what would we do without paved roads? And it's right, like, right. I don't know. Like, there's most of human history has not had that. And that doesn't mean yeah. that that is a necessity and that the only way to do that is this particular way that we've done it. Well, and, and we could, she talks about, Pay roads too. Um, oh, no. She's talking about voting. It has exactly that idea of just like uh, private enterprise originated and built the first transcontinental American highway, free manufacturing car. This is on 213 mm -hmm. in the third attempt. Uh, free manufacturers and car owners would have covered this uh, country with highways as free Americans covered it with wagon roads. Americans wanted cars and highways. No police force was needed to take their money from them and spend it for highways. And is it, well, you know, so then she just obviously goes on. But yeah, she's making that point, I think, uh, right. that, you know, you actually had a lot of this happen. And it's just, you know, it's interesting because I think I certainly grew up and still do to an extent, but I don't know, the older I get. <laughs> but it's just, Yes, I think I agree with what you're saying. Is It's hard for a lot of us to even think of a time where there was no income tax, for instance. Right. And and whatnot, and whatnot. And yeah, and there's just a whiskey tax. I mean, think about that. They went to, they, they rebelled over just right. one tax. Mm -hmm. um, and then all the things that aren't taxed and all the things that aren't regulated that we right. take for granted as not being regulated. I mean, mm -hmm. the example I like to use is shoes. I don't know if I've done this on the podcast before. But private uh, manufacturers make shoes, mm -hmm. and we don't have we we don't talk about where is anybody going to get shoes. But if the government were heavily subsidizing that industry, the entire conversation would be: 
if somebody was saying we needed to get government out of that, what you don't want people to have shoes, and shoes would be you know ten times more expensive than they are and way harder to get. Yeah, no, I mean I see what your point is. Yeah, it's just like the the number of things that we that you know like your example, the income tax that just exists that existed you know a little bit before we were born, but not that far, not you know hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we just take for granted, and it kind of has always existed in our mind. Mm-hmm. It's just the most normal thing ever, right? I mean, it's crazy to yeah. think about our you know aunts and uncles and parents remember when drunk driving became illegal. Yeah, 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 and uh, and seatbelts were required right. and etc. Right. Yeah. I mean, I remember that when I was a kid, that lot. Yeah. Well, you're an old man. <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> yeah. You probably remember the A-track, too. <laughs> Dude, there's that silly, you ever see that silly ad that goes around the, the anti-drunk driving one? Uh-uh. With these, I mean, from a modern perspective, it's hilarious because uh. it's these guys, they're like, when I get off work, the, I just want to be able to drive home and have a beer. <laughs> it's yeah. like a guy driving a truck drinking a Budweiser. Nice. Wow. <laughs> I don't remember that at all. No, so this is like was, 1984. I mean, that's crazy though. Yeah. 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 I'm talking um, about the government overreach and all that stuff. And like, yeah. we're so far from that. We're not even close to that argument. Yeah, anymore. I know. I know. I know. Nobody's arguing it. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. I mean, it's true. It's, it, we've always sacrificed. Uh, freedom for safety. I think that is sort mm-hmm. of, uh, that's the big trade that people make. Um, mm-hmm. It's just when does when does that become, at, it's just hard to tell at what point you've sacrificed too much of your freedom and you've actually made yourself unsafe. Right. I mean, my guess is Rose Wilderlane would argue that in most cases, sacrificing freedom for safety right. will actually make you less safe. Right, no, yeah. I mean, her opinion is that you should essentially be self-sufficient. Like the most planned economies are the most disastrous. Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, in some cases I agree with because it's true. It, you know, I deal with enough experts and I guess in some cases I'm trying to become an expert mm-hmm. to know that it's so easy. And she makes this point right. a lot too of it's easy to get caught up in your theories when you're only theorizing. And right. then you have this big divide between the people who are actually doing the things and the people who are thinking about doing the things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and this gets back to your point about people have a hard time conceptualizing what it was like to live before whatever um, when right. they were alive, essentially. And I think that is, I, it, to me, it's like it's obvious. And I would say we all have that issue because, you know, again, getting back to my conception of the brain and, and consciousness. I take the whatever the the Lockean theory, mm-hmm. or which I, or I guess Aristotle put put it forth first, is that we are our sensations. So of course, mm-hmm. if we don't experience something, we're never going to be able to really understand it. And I think that's why you see us having to hit rock bottom in right. all aspects of things, whether on the individual level or on the nation level, before we make changes, because. We just we really won't believe that it's going to happen until it's finally happened, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? I guess that's and that's also p- probably part of why people who are trying to pu- push changes make it seem like those changes are 
desperately needed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Because because it's a rhetorical thing. Oh, there was right. another one of those beeps. Weird. Anyway, <laughs> what the heck's going on? That must be that must be like the NSA saying you're on the right track. <laughs> Morse code. That's hey, their stop. clap. They did a clap, so they can yeah. come yeah, back and check this part out. <laughs> yeah. Hello, Snowden. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, but but I think that's. Um, any other interesting points about so the feudal chapter I felt like was basically it was showing how you know it was building up to the English liter- liberties mm-hmm. chapter of course mm-hmm. uh, there um, there was one point that that I I highlighted that I that I wanted to hit that's sort of, it's mm-hmm. related to our conversation from last week and related to all of the the Reddit conversations about war this week. Um, so, so the quote you were that in I, a Reddit war of your own in some sense. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. In the trenches. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. Uh, I, I'd be curious to get your take on that, on some of that too. But uh, mm-hmm. so the quote I have here is: "War is an essential function of every kind of government whose subjects believe that it is authority controlling them." So war was the essential function of the feudal system. So the, the, that last statement, war is the essential function of the feudal system. And this idea that war is an or the essential function of a government, because what a government has is power to control people's energy, and the way to do that is through war. Because what war does is war expands your territory, which expands your border of influence under which you can assert control of power. Or something like that, right? Yeah, it's just, it's the essential part that I have a problem with. I think it, it is a fundamental part. I guess, I guess maybe that is the same as saying it's essential though. Um, Yeah. Because it's not the only. War is the essence of. Yeah. Well, yeah, I know. But I guess that's the thing is I don't know if it's the only Mm -hmm. thing about it though. I guess that's maybe where I'm. About, but the pushback you were getting on Reddit was more of just what was what was the big? I, I would guess say that, the yeah. main pushback, the main thing that people said is that's stupid. There have always been wars because right. people will always be fighting each other. Right, and I saw a lot of the organization sort of arguments too. Right, of just anytime my favorite was the, whoever said you don't know much about prehistory. <laughs> I know you're like, do you? <laughs> <laughs> and then he said, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Or they said, and yeah, then again, yeah, and gave a, a Wikipedia article. Because <laughs> when I think in-depth yeah. study of prehistory, I think Wikipedia. Yeah, yeah, no, but it's true because the it's almost like <laughs> the uh, you know the definition of prehistory is <laughs> <I know>. unknowable. <laughs> <laughs> um. But I guess he's talking about like anthropology and stuff like that. Right. But, you know, whatever, man. <laughs> um, no, and, and I, he's probably also getting, or they are also probably getting at the idea that, uh, you know, you see warlike tendencies in like chimps and stuff, or like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, primates. I don't even dis, it's, it's one of those things where I, it doesn't seem impossible that there 
I would be more shocked if there were not wars that happened before we have records of wars. It's just right. making very strong statements I know, about I know, I know. It's hilarious. And that's just the essence of Reddit, if you will. It's <laughs> yeah. making it's strong like, statements you can't and calling know people an anything idiot. about what you're saying. I know, I know. I know. But but I guess what they're get you know, to rebut that though, then is even if sort of warlike tendencies existed, then I guess the question is, does it require some prototypical or like some prehistoric government to do that? Like, would you maybe say that a, a chimp tribe that then goes to war with another group of chimpanzees is making some kind of governmental structure to organize? Right. That? I mean, if it's a tribe trying to expand their sphere of influence, then right. yes. Right. Right. Um, well, I guess this is where maybe just getting the definition of government down is probably the idea. And that's right. probably where it's just, it's going to depend on the person right. you ask. Mm-hmm. Yep. But we can ask well, that, the That's internet. where on Reddit, I was actually trying to, to distill it a little bit and not always use the word government. <laughs> I was trying to use a word that, uh, or a term that my wife kept saying was probably not the best term and would probably make people even matter. I kept trying to say communal fictions. Yeah. But it didn't really work. It's a government, according to Wikipedia, is a system or group of people governing. So that's a wonderful definition. (laughs) Governing an organized community, generally a state. So governing an organized community, but that doesn't really talk about whether they, you know, what precedes an organized community. So the government governs, do they? Yeah. But I guess the I would say that a government probably, um, I mean, this is kind of what I guess my point was in the anarchy stuff, is that a government of some kind comes out of every organization because it's basically, to that uh-huh. definition, it's just whatever the precepts that right. are controlling people's movements right. are. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. mean, this is where we had the thing. Is like, I'm not an anarchist in the right. sense that I want no organizational structure. Right, and and that's why I kept hitting on that point, though. Right, because because I, I just think don't that want it the, to be coercive. Right, right, yeah, yeah. Okay, um, and we've. <laughs> if anybody's curious about that, we have three plus episodes on that. In yeah. whatever they are, eight points or when was the anarchy episodes? Were those the seven Couple point books ago. ones? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. 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 Anyway, it doesn't matter. But yeah, so so the the war thing, like most people were saying that there's always been war because people have always been fighting. Uh, Rosewilder Lane makes a distinction between individuals fighting each other, or even right. lots of people fighting each other, right? And uh, and war as being a function of governments specifically trying to influence or use their power to control the energy of other people. Yeah. I, I get the I see it's the expansive part that I don't know if that's built into the definition of government because that's basically what you were saying and maybe she's not saying this but when you were describing what she was saying mm-hmm. is that the war aspect comes from the fact that you're expanding your territory to control other people but again if potentially if you have an organization that's not coercive everybody's okay with that and they have a set of priests you know set of commandments, if you will, to govern them. And they're not, they, they don't have to be going off and making war with other people. Right. But 
but there is going to be some probably force that's going to be used within the community to keep everybody in check. And then that can create resentment and then they'll... Well, but if know, there's force in the community used to keep people in check, that's automatically... Is that war, though? Coercive. Is it war? But that's I don't not know. war. That's my point, though. Is uh, that you yeah, can, I mean, it seems maybe, like you I don't can remember if she makes a distinction. I think she does. She says something right. about governments using their force on their own people. Is also. my point getting across, though? Because I'm just saying that it seems like you can have a government without having war. And I guess, you know. Right. Yeah. So I don't know if I agree with her on that. Then I don't it, remember that, what like, she said about whether that counts as war or not. But I understand what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can try to find her definition when she's talking about war. Um, war equals use of human energy. That's how she's defining it. Or at least I have that up at the top. Let me see. Use? I think it's more than use. Yeah, let me see. That's another one of my probably summaries. Yeah, okay. Well, so maybe this has it in it because I think this is where I got it. Okay. History, so this is on page 59. History in the war section. <laughs> History nice. is a spectacle of billions of human beings naked and shelterless on this planet with no food, no clothes, no shelter, except such as their minds can imagine and their hands make. Not one of them could live in human energy uh, if human em- energy did not ceaselessly attack this indifferent and dangerous earth. Not one could live without the help of his kind, yet they always use their energy to kill their kind and to destroy the food and shelter upon which human life depends. This is suicidal. Uh, mm-hmm. War does not only kill individual individuals; it attacks the very root of human survival. Mm-hmm. War does not only destroy the material goods upon which human survival depends. War is an active, destructive denial of the facts of human life, the mm-hmm. facts of individual liberty and human brotherhood. That didn't really have the definition in it. That's a good bit, though. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> yeah. If men in government use the force that is government in an attempt to control human energy, one result is war. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Okay. I, I think this is not very. I think I think her useful. broad point, and and I, I think she. I've noticed this with a lot of the the people we've read, and so maybe there's a reason for it. What I haven't read a whole lot is, for the context of this argument, this is what I mean by war. I feel like that's a popular thing to do in modern academic writing. And I don't think we've read really anything that does that. Because I remember the same thing in Nietzsche is not fully defining terms or kind of using terms in different ways in different contexts. Um, But my general understanding of uh, war has a kind of boundary on it in terms of Lane's version of war in that two people you know, fighting each other on the street is not a war or uh, a, a bar brawl would not be considered a war. But yeah. groups of people fighting right. in the name of some kind of what you would call pagan authority, some kind right. of uh, non-human authority that has been Mm -hmm. extrapolated would be a war. So that's why I was trying to use the term communal fiction on Reddit, because I think it it could be something like what we know of as a state today, like the state of Israel or the state of France or whatever. Right. Or it could also be uh, smaller groups. It could be, uh, 
you know, Kansas going to war with Missouri or the AARP going to war with the, you know, NBA or something. <laughs> right. Like that. And I get, I guess that's really, no, I mean, that's, that's great though. I mean, that clarifies it for me because I feel like we're basically proving it in the inverse. It's like, I was asking, could you have a government without war? And the answer is yes, but could you have a war without government? And at least in Lane's conception, no. Yeah, which, you know, I, I see where she's coming from with that. Right. And, and again, I think it's tricky and you can do a whole probably Reddit <laughs> essay. One could do a whole Reddit essay yes. about, you know, what is government, right? And, mm -hmm. but I, I think for the purpose of just moving on, I think, I think, uh, I think I will sort of seed that. Like, I, I do kind of agree with at least the conception that she's making, how she's defining government, which mm -hmm. seems to be as really just, well, okay. I mean, she doesn't really define it, but I'm assuming it just is again, as, as the definition we read, just a central body that's controlling people, which is why I had war as use of human energy, because that's what... Well, it seeks to control the human energy of others. Yes. Right, right, right. Yes. Restrict, as she would say. Right, which is like different than I start a band. Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to control anybody's energy. Mm -hmm. I yeah, would you, like people to play with me are. if they would like to, but I don't want to control anybody's energy. Right, right. So yeah. that's not a government. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. so then it gets to the question of, yeah, it seems like for you, government is as soon as you start coercing, then right, you're Right, where for, force is involved, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so we haven't even talked about the English liberties. Yeah. Well, okay, so there's one, one more little bit in, uh, in the, the feudal section that I thought uh -huh. was good. Uh, when it was talking about a lot of revolutionaries don't even think about the fact that what they're doing is they are actually just pleading for the right kind of control. So they're not actually seeking freedom right. from right. The, whatever, the feudal system or the monarchic system or whatever system they're caught up in. Right. They're just wanting that system to be better at controlling them in the ways that they want. Yeah, or they want to control everybody else. Right. Yeah. So the, the quote here is, so the so-called revolutionists attack their governments and ruling classes, accusing them of not controlling the social system as it should be controlled. Socialists, social democrat, communist, fascist, Nazis, all demand that the government make a better social system, that government control the men who produce and distribute goods, that government create security for men on this earth. So it's like what you were saying before about the, the search for security. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, I, I think it's, it, it's, it's one of the deep points that she's making, and she makes it early on when she's talking about communism, about how communism does actually address a real problem facing humanity, mm -hmm. that life is dangerous and it's not safe, mm -hmm. right? And so the, the, the pleading or the yelling or whatever, whatever you're doing, the petitioning a government to make your life safer makes sense because if life isn't safe, we're going to die. But then I would say from Lane's perspective, she's saying that this is misguided and you're seeking safety in the wrong places. Mm -hmm. And only from within you right. it will come. Right, right. But then, yes, yes, it's, 
I mean, it's just as complicated because then it's true. It's like we all are born with different um, abilities, though, and stuff like that. Well, I and think this us, is her yes. second point, the, the, yes. the second part about the brotherhood, mm-hmm. about how if, if it is really you and you're not cooperating with anybody else, you're doomed. Mm-hmm. So we all have to take on the responsibilities of ourselves and work together. Which is actually similar to like my whole band. I, I have a whole. It's it's a paper that I might write at some point about how bands, uh, you know, like music ensembles, are essentially like these little anarcho-capitalist things, because everybody is personally responsible for the music that they are playing, and they are like they have to do that to the best of their ability in order for the group to be successful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but then I guess the. <laughs> <laughs> the downside is you have all these examples of these bands that they just broke up because they can't, you know, they can't keep it right, together. Right, well, those douchebags who won't take responsibility <laughs> for things. Are you talking about David Gilmore or Roger Waters? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Por que no los dos? No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's an interesting idea. I think that would be a, a cool paper. Hope you yeah, write it before maybe. one of our legions of fans does. Right, right. <laughs> or listeners, yeah, I should right. say. Yeah, if I you're listening, assume, don't write it. I shouldn't assume they're fans too, you know? <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, yeah, no, I think those are good points. Sorry, I was just thinking we've almost been going an hour and we haven't even gotten to the English liberties. That's true. But aren't we going to cut out the first 17 minutes? Oh, good call. Yes. Forgot about that. I mean, no. I mean, <laughs> what 17 minutes? <laughs> was it 17 minutes that we were yeah, talking? Yeah, I was, I was watching. Jeez. Okay. All right. Yeah, good call. Sorry. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think then if there's anything. I thought it was interesting just from a point, because it was something I thought about how the church was this great vehicle of social ascension. It's like mm-hmm. we said that it was a static world in the old world, but the church was one means to break out of that. It's like mm-hmm. you could technically become Pope if, right. uh, you know, and there mm-hmm. was there were Popes that came from uh, the surf class. Right. Maybe one, but, you know, it, mm-hmm. it did happen. And right. then, they, sure, they, he was poisoned. <laughs> I remember <laughs> I remember there was like, there was, I was looking in for whatever reason uh, at the, uh, the, na- the nationhoods of Popes one time. Mm-hmm. It's like most of them were Italian, right? So, you know, uh, but then there was like one or two that were from the Netherlands and the one was one particular guy from the Netherlands. He was Pope for like literally a year and then he died. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, how did that happen? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty funny. Yeah, because it's like, again, getting back to the oligarchy idea, it's just <laughs> hundreds of years created this immense oligarchy in Rome. So it makes sense that most of the Pope were Italian because right. it was the people near the seat of power that learned the game and mm-hmm. then, you know. Right. Anyway, yeah. So, okay. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, war was, the, war was the sole and exclusive business of knights and barons, mm-hmm. and they attended strictly to it, taking only Saturday afternoons off for a few rounds of highway robbery. Nice. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, that's another thing. Somebody else made that point, didn't they, when we were reading? or uh, Just the idea that, yeah, it's like, well, certainly the idea of total war mm-hmm. was, you know, relatively new, at least in the last 200 years or whatever. I think they, they credit Napoleon with that, right? Mm. Yeah, um, maybe. And then uh, 
Although, I mean, I'm sure like Sparta, what do you, I mean, right. that seems yeah, yeah, pretty yeah. much total war to me. Uh, but uh, yeah, so they, it is interesting, the idea that just everybody needs to go and, and fight and die for stuff was mm -hmm. not always the case. Right. Um, yeah. 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 See, that's, that is a great, important point that some of those Reddit folks should listen to. Oh, that not everybody was required to go fight in war. Not everybody's even concerned with war. Mm -hmm. Like that's the thing is that it makes that point too. Is these wars happen and lords gain and lose land, and that doesn't really affect the serfs' lives that much. They're still just there, like giving their their grain to whoever is coming and taking it from them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Although many of them are probably dying. <laughs> you know, from like the the, the sure. raids, you know what I mean. So yeah. even if they're not actively fighting in it, they're being affected by it. You know. Yeah, I mean that's probably true. Like towns getting sacked and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. But at the same time, probably if you're trying to take over some land, it doesn't really help you to kill everybody there because you need all those people to give you all the resources that you're trying to. Take I mean, it just depends on what you're trying to do with the land. Are you trying to move your family into the land? Then yeah, but who's okay? Fine, but that's not going to be like the barons aren't going to be like I'm going to take over all of France so that I can make one little house for my family there. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I don't know because uh, you know then there's like the Huguenots, right? It's <laughs> tough. It just I don't know. I think I think I think she's a lot of what she's referring to are the the territorial disputes in Europe. Mm-hmm which I think tended to involve sort of capturing not just land, but also resources. And then you need people to, to give you those resources because you're not going to go start planting a field yourself or mining or anything like that. I think I, I, I see where you're going. I just think it's a complicated problem because it's like I brought the Huguenots, which were, of course, the Protestant sect in France that got genocided essentially mm -hmm. for being Protestant and many of them, I mean, this is where Hamilton apparently came from. <laughs> he uh -huh, was a Huguenot right. um, and, uh, or part Huguenot, part Scottish too. Um, but, you know, so they got pushed off the land and then to get rid of those people. Right, and but, the, but, but that's, that's, uh, that's in the more nationalistic era, I think. Because when she's talking about the feudal era and serfdom. She's talking about before then. I yeah, yeah. No, that's because a good point. The, the nationalism changes things. Because right, right. now you're fighting entire groups of people where you need to kill them all. Right. Right. Versus sort of just little pawns that can kind of change hands. Well, at will. fine. Then I guess we bring up pogroms and stuff like that. Right. What were those? You know, when people mm -hmm. would go in and kill Jewish people and probably to get them off the land. So anyway, all I'm saying is that you're right. But that's still I, like the 1800s. That, no, 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 no. This, I mean, this was a big thing of like the first crusade when they were going to Jerusalem. They mm -hmm. also just used that opportunity to go kill a bunch of Jews too. Right. Uh, you know, so it's that's been happening forever is my point. It's, it's, it's not as easy to say that you need I mean, and then again, this is Machiavelli talks about this, right? Is that mm -hmm. you can either eliminate the people or you assimilate them. And right. you're talking about the assimilation part, but I'm just saying 
There's plenty of examples in history in the feudal system and beyond when people would just eradicate people to get them out. And, sure. and so you don't, they're not always trying to, you know, keep them there as workers. Mm-hmm. I, that's the, I, you know, <laughs> the, I, I don't know what the ideal is. I was about to say that's the ideal to right. keep them there as workers, but is that even the ideal? Probably Who not. knows? What is ideal? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Be to not. <laughs> okay. Sorry. That's an inside joke with myself. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> the best kind of joke. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. The English liberties. You want to move on? Sure. Sure. <laughs> okay. Um, oh, yeah. I thought that was interesting. King Henry II attacked the feudal system via the justice system. Mm-hmm. So he was sort of... Yeah, yeah. The justice point was very interesting. Mm-hmm. And And I guess they were saying he invented juries, the idea of juries. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's how he sort of tried, you know, the, King Henry, a monarch, and this is at the time where a lot of monarchs in, in Europe were re, you know, probably on the back of the nationalistic idea, right. were reasserting themselves to destroy the feudal system. And that was, they were trying to do that in England, but they weren't, um, and, and King Henry tried to do it with the feudal system, but it wasn't successful. Right. Um, and I thought this was interesting uh, because basically she says, I think, I think this is my summary, but no king has ever defeated the English oligarchy. Um, mm. And this is actually a point that Napoleon makes. People talk about like Waterloo and stuff like that, that, you know, as the Russians, of course, I think that's the popular conception now is that, you know, he tried to go into Russia, he depleted his army, and then that's really what destroyed Napoleon. And fair enough, that was a big part. But it also loses all of this other economic warfare that was going on before that. It's like, why did Napoleon feel like he had to go into Russia? He was actually allies with the Tsar, but mm-hmm. then the Tsar allied with the English instead. And they were putting all these economic blocks on, on Napoleon, basically. And at the end of it, Napoleon was like, you guys, it was the English oligarchy that beat me. And, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, and it's what beat King Henry, too, ultimately. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Also sorry. also Prince John. Prince John, yeah, but he was an idiot. No. <laughs> well, actually, I think the story that she paints of him is interesting, you know, vis-a-vis the, the Robin Hood story. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, his brother John, though somewhat insane, brother of Richard the Lionheart, who's my favorite, having played Stronghold Crusader, call back to <laughs> like our second episode. Nice. Stronghold Crusader 2, sorry. Um, but yeah, I, I do you, um, I, yeah. Because what, what the, the story it was talking about was that John was actually in a way dismantling the class structure of mm-hmm. the English feudal system by right. doing like wacky crazy things of marrying like the jury like marrying peasants off to to uh, aristocrats and stuff like right. that and the the lords ended up rising up against him and beating right. him forcing right. his hand to sign it to sign into law the the codification of the English class structure. Right. And that was why the jury, like why he invented juries is the idea that you could try by your peers, right? Right, right. Um, 
Although I believe yeah. that the Magna Carta got rid of juries, right? Um, yes. But that was in the rebound, right? That was after, that was during Prince John's time. Well, what, what I thought was that Prince John got, ended up getting rid of the juries. That was, that was what he had to sign to get rid of. Yeah, no, I guess I'm, yes. I think okay. we're saying the same thing. I don't know what we're disagreeing about. <laughs> because the, the, the point was what, what, the, what the, the lowest classes, essentially the serfs, although I don't know if they would have been called that at the, at the time yeah. in England, sought protection and adjudication, like justice, from the mm-hmm. lords. Mm-hmm. And the lords got their resources from the lower class. Mm-hmm. And so if justice was actually coming from your peers, it disrupts the entire class structure because that's one very important thing that you no longer need from on high. Right. Right. I, what I couldn't get, did you get this point of like why it was in England? I guess it was, she, you know, she calls them uh, the natural human desire. You know, they became a, essentially a nation of shopkeepers, Right. Right. Um, mm-hmm. and, but, you know, was it just because I think, oh, I think she did say it's like probably because of the fact that they're on an island, they're able to ward off a little bit more of these monarchist tendencies. Mm-hmm. But did you get a straight answer on that? Like, on what? you know, I, on, on why were the barons? Cause there were barons in the continent too. That's the point. But for some right. reason, the barons in England were able to war. Well, off. I think it's because in England the feudal system won. No, but I know that. But like, why? Why did it not win in the continent? I don't know if she explicitly says. You see what um, I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, I, ex- I, I don't, I don't know if she explicitly says. Guesses that I have are if if the barons beat Prince John, the monarchy was off in the Crusades fighting, and so the monarchy was weak at the time. Mm-hmm. And so, well, no, it was, it was Lionheart was off fighting in the Crusades. King Richard, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry, you said. I'm sorry. I'm like, Did, I might have said it wrong. So Prince John was stuck at home. Yes, but a weak ruler is not mm-hmm. going to win any battles for the monarchy. Yes, the strong yes. monarch is off fighting a war, and so the barons, who are most interested in a feudal system, are able to win out. Yeah, but again, it's like because actually yeah. she makes that point with the Pope as well in that the Crusades are essentially a way for the church to gain stronghold mm-hmm. control because mm-hmm. they send all of the fighters off mm-hmm. somewhere else. Yeah. Interesting to think about what's going on today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Anyway. Are all of our fighters being sent somewhere? Well, they might be. We'll <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, yeah, no, but it, I still it's but it's fine. We we don't have to dwell on this. I think um, the other thing is that uh, Britain was seeing success from having uh, money, exactly the, mercant- the mercantile class, right? Yeah, yeah, but again, that was happening other places on the continent, which is why I think it might be this idea that it was an island and they were able to sort of. It's just it's it's just interesting that all of these things existed. Right. Elsewhere in Europe, but for some reason, 
the shopkeepers right. <laughs> won the day in yeah. a sense in England. Yeah, I just like that. Uh, here, I'll read that. Um, uh, the natural human desire, so this is 147, to use human energy to improve the conditions of human life had a leeway in which to act in England. Mm-hmm. Had a leeway, yeah. Therefore, the English became, as continental Europeans truly say, a nation of shopkeepers. The essential function of the continental nations is the ancient function of war. The essential function of England is trade. And so that's why I keep going back to this island idea. It's sure. because it's like they had to trade because they right. didn't probably, they didn't, you know, and, and I think I made this point elsewhere of just, this is also thought of why the industrial revolution came out of there is that they had really poor resources. So they were always mm-hmm. dependent upon like whatever, Scandinavia for the good iron mm-hmm. and, and, you know, uh, they made a wool example, right? Or like <laughs> the Americas for wool or whatever. Right. Sure. Um, uh, yeah. Um, so that's probably it is that is probably the trade, which is why, you know, which is what you were saying. And then this middle class grew and then it's harder to get rid of an oligarchy because mm-hmm. it's just, it's yeah. Right. Um, and, and, and then she makes this point of like a few times of how the English lower classes maintain this class system with a dogged tenacity. Mm-hmm. So for whatever reason, the English culture also really solidified in this hierarchical thinking. Sure. Yep. And it's definitely still seen today. <coughs> cough, cough. <coughs> anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Um, I mean, cool. there's, there's more good stuff in there, but we can move on too. Yeah, no, I agree. We, uh, yeah, yeah, and this feudal element of granted liberties makes the British Empire unique. It is the only empire ever created by individuals using their energies to increase the available supply of useful goods. Governments created the other empires using military force and war to enlarge the area of their use of force. In a world of war-made empires and war-making nations, the British use war only as a necessary protection of British uh, Britain's primary function, which is trade, which is interesting because it's like, you know, we, <laughs> the conspiratorial minded of us mm-hmm. that have read about, you know, the inception of the CIA and everything right. like that. Look, I mean, it's like, you can see how this idea of using your military force to protect the trade mm-hmm. is like, well, how we inherited this as right, Americans right. of like, if you just look at how the CIA was used to enforce the United mm-hmm. Fruit Empire in the in, right. in the southern hemisphere of the Americas, um, or you know, central to uh, mm-hmm. America, Central America as right. well. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so, so I thought that was an interesting point, uh, and it's a question though too of is that a good thing or not? I don't know. <laughs> I guess many would say no, uh, but is it a better thing I than mean, just? Many would say yes, probably. Well, and is it better? I guess than just waging war to gain territory. I don't know. Yeah. I, I she guess seems it, it to really be depends yes. on what, what, what you think better is. Because well, there, there was that point she was making saying. about justice, about the older, older views of justice, some of which being whoever wins must be the just one because they must have had God on their side. The, the whole might makes right idea. If you're in a fight with somebody and you win, you must have been right. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's the old. I mean, that was the debate in Plato's Republic. Right. That that guy with the the T name that I can never remember his name, mm-hmm. Thrasa, whatever his name is. 
But he's essentially debating Socrates at the beginning, saying justice is the powerful. Right. Yep. Yep. And then they don't really conclude. No. Um, and that's, I think, the point. We talked about this. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, a, a point. Uh, so, if we move on a little bit, there's a there's a paragraph that's sort of stuck with me that I've been thinking about, and this is actually what I was thinking might might annoy you. <laughs> um, maybe it, maybe it won't. But um, so she keeps talking about the the sort of pagan idea of a static universe, mm-hmm. which rings very true to me. And I think about it when people talk about um, wealth creation and things like that. The idea that there is an, a finite amount of wealth to go around, mm-hmm. which I think is a very silly idea. I think if you look at even the last 20 years, it's obvious that you know all of the developments that exist now, things like airplanes and internet and uh, all sorts of service, you know, there's people who fix computers now. That didn't exist you know, 35 years ago kind of a thing. Uh, so as, as new uh, creativity happens, that expands the market and there's just more and more wealth to be had. And people are way wealthier than they were 30 years ago. Like poor people today are mm-hmm. extraordinarily wealthy. And, yeah, it's the, and it's not the even Steven Pinker and like leading yeah. much more uh, extravagant lives than they right. lived in the 80s. Right. It's the Steven Pinker argument, I suppose. Right. I'm not even saying it's better. I'm just saying like the, the food. I mean, poor people now have two cars, live in two car homes. Yeah. And we have diseases with excess instead of starvation or you know, right, 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 like right. You're, exactly. You, even in I'm the also not classes. saying that that's a good thing or that's desirable. Yeah, no, no, no. Yes, it's different. Right. right. Um, but the idea that the this there is not a static amount of wealth to go around. Wealth can mm-hmm. be created. Right. I see what you're saying, and that's the proof. Right. The proof is in uh, the pudding, <laughs> literally, right. and that's how so, why we all have diabetes. That's right. But I do yeah. love pudding. Yeah. <laughs> you would. So it, it's, a, it's kind of a snarky paragraph how it starts, but have you, here you have the dawn of modern times. This is on page 156. She's talking, this is, so this is the third attempt, talking about the, the Americas. Mm-hmm. Um, so Saul oh, consulted yeah. with the witch of Endor, and the kings sent hurriedly for Balaam. So the, this is, the, 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 the history of the story is that Saul consulted with this witch who summoned up the the spirit of Samuel? Because they're talking about the the history of kingship over the over the uh, the the, the Hebrew people. Because this yeah. is when Israel was demanding a king, mm-hmm. and God was like, "You don't need a king. You don't want a king." It's the <laughs> mm-hmm. And they're like, "No, we need a king." Mm-hmm. And so and so he was like, "Okay," and then he gives him Saul, but. Uh, Anyway, um, but okay, so, so the king sent hurriedly for Balaam, but modern men consult the statistical curve. And I love this because it, it rings of this, this whole like data-driven that people say yeah. all the time that drives me crazy. Evidence-based, oh Antushka. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it shows what has happened and therefore what will happen, for this is a static universe. Nothing in it changes. Thus... Only yesterday, the statistical curve of the American birth rate revealed that in 1960, the great majority of Americans will be over 60 years old. Yeah. 
Nurseries and schools will be empty and factories closed for lack of workers. And a terrifying question confronts the intellectual. Where will the government get funds to support a population almost entirely dependent upon old age pensions? See the serious American intellectual magazines of about 1936 for grave discussions of this vital problem. Mm -hmm. And then where I, my brain goes after all of this is the idea of a static universe, because we talked about this, because thermodynamics posits essentially, ultimately, a static universe. Not mm-hmm. that things aren't shifting now, but that there is a static amount of energy to be had in the universe. Mm-hmm. And then I'm wondering, I start wondering how is, I understand that's a theory and that's sort of put forth as a, a law, but how is that even known? Because to me, there's nothing hinging on that fact. Well, because energy can transfer yeah. whether there's a static amount or not. Yeah, I mean, it's it is sort of fudged in the in the sense, but it's known in the in the sense that if you if you or how is it known? What? Well, okay, so what's the you're asking? How do we know generally how nothing energy isn't created or? It's right. just transformed. Because I'm not if saying you the do, theory doesn't make sense. I'm just saying, how do we know yeah. it's true? Well, it's it's true on a local level. It's like we are if when we do experiments in a local system and we can with our equations we can account for all of the right. energy and like in so that. like the energy that say a, a human generates the electricity that we generate to do all the things that we need to do, or just in a chemical like equal reaction to the caloric input or something like that. Yes, exactly. Or just more simply, we. We know enough about certain, like a lot of chemical reactions, and if we do them in, you know, a closed environment, we have equations that can explain for, okay, so you have kinetic energy here, you have whatever, electric energy, you have heat, which I guess is kinetic energy, you know, um, and you have potential energy, right. I guess those are the two, <laughs> potential and kinetic, right? right, right. <laughs> um, among others, there's others, but yeah, uh, it's been a while since I did physics, physics, and I'm not a right. physicist, but but I think it's more philosophical when people talk about it on the the grand scale. But there are, I'm sure, theories that have you know, right? Well, because that. this is the thing is to me, if I start expanding, you know, it, it's actually to me similar to the seeming conversation, because if I if I think of something like wealth. To me, that's an idea. Wealth is kind of uh, an idea that comes out of, it's sort of downstream from creativity. Mm-hmm. And then energy is sort of this, this driving mechanism. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like I have no way of knowing how much energy there is or isn't and whether or not it is a static. To me, it's a little bit like the statement about well, prehistory. Do you see what I'm saying, though? Is it's like I, I get for the practical points mm-hmm. on a local level, it stands pretty well. Sure. The idea that energy isn't created or, or destroyed. It's, it's just, just transferred, transferred from something to something yes. else. But right. then once you let the system go and that heat dissipates, right. you know, where does it go? And the idea is, well, this is 
you know, physicists would say this is a closed universe, but that's a philosophical question, I think. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I guess it's kind of like Big Bang stuff. Like some this people is like not just... where I did not think you were going to this point with this though, because <laughs> I had this underlined. Oh, you actually, did. Also, nice. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I had the same, and I had we are tackling the same population question today. That's yeah, what yeah, I yeah, took of from course. this. But that, to me, to me, that's the, that's the first thing I thought, and then I sure. moved on to thermodynamics. Yeah, no, that's that's good. That's good. Uh, what the heck <laughs> is that? The pork? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it is. It's the. Yeah. You're not supposed to eat pork. <laughs> oh, We're no? kosher now. Remember? No. <laughs> um, yeah. Just kidding. Uh, okay. So, um, yeah, no. And, and, and I mean, and it's interesting, too, because we are also confronting this question about Social Security, which was made in the 30s. Right. Running out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so we're we're asking all the same questions, mm-hmm. which is interesting, and it's about, it's almost a hundred years later, right? So that's all very interesting. Um, but yeah, it is funny to me the way that the you know you look at a curve, you know, you 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 trace the history of how something has gone, and 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 I would say in a lot of cases that has very little bearing on where it is going. Well, it just depends, you know, and this is the problem because you're right. I mean, this is essentially what a lot of people say to the climate, I guess, ideas of. I didn't bring it up. No, no, no. I know that. <laughs> I know that. But it, <laughs> but it's, it's, you know, it's, it's always this question of how long have we been collecting data for and then how much can you infer from that? But mm-hmm. it's also not true to say that you can't infer anything. It just right. depends. Right. But it sounds like you're yeah, saying that. Yeah, but it's that- difficult to know what you can't. So, so something like that. So you take you take temperature for the last two hundred years, mm-hmm. and then the question is, what can you infer from that? That's a hard question. Yeah, I mean, this is why empiricism is so important, and why ultimately I am an empiricist because it's true. It's like you, you, it's very difficult to predict things, but you get better at predicting with the more data that you have, and mm-hmm. that is that's. Really, sometimes it, it depends on what it is, though. Uh, because, like, if you're rolling hmm. dice, you can have you don't get better at predicting what the roll is going to. Assuming that it's right, a, but that's a yes. If it's a random event, but right, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it seems like everything isn't a random event. It does seem like there it are does patterns seem that way. Yes, I agree. Yeah, and that's the point. But and that's why a fundamental distinction when you're studying statistics is: are these independent? And random right. variables, or are they dependent? And being dependent right. means that they're not random. Right? Yes, 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 yes. I agree. I, I, I think that data can be very important, and I think it's incredibly easy to draw spurious correlations because I think some things can be very tightly correlated and have nothing to do with each other. Um, well, yeah, because that's the causation versus correlation. Question. But like things can almost be one to one and have nothing to do with each other, like mm-hmm. not be ca- not be causally yes. related at all. Yes. Yeah, you always need a third variable, right, to decide causation, and it's to figuring out what that third variable is. Right. Yeah. You need a triangle, Antushka. That's the point. That's right. why Pythagoras was so smart. Right. So all these, there's two kinds of people. You need three kinds. You need of three kinds. And this is sort of getting at when we go back to <laughs> you the need Foucault. a holy trinity. Uh, oh, oh my right goodness! All. My goodness! 
<laughs> yeah. Well, you know, there's that Alt J song. Triangles are my favorite shape. Three lines or two, <laughs> three lines were two points meet or something like that. I don't know. Who cares? Uh, okay, but I, <laughs> I'm gonna cut this out. <laughs> 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 um, but uh, 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 three points were two lines meet. <laughs> that makes wait what? <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Um, the point is though that the triangle is a very. I mean, if you want to talk about, if you want to get at the fundamental of how our system works, we could talk about Euclidean U- Euclid. Who, and I mean, it's really. System? the world it's like if you look at how a lot of data is understood it often comes back to triangles of mm-hmm. of and and calculating distance that's how sure. you calculate distance is by you know making a right triangle and then finding mm-hmm. the hypotenuse and this is what basically vector vectors are right um and uh and so when you say it is like f- they were onto something it does feel like triangles are very very important, but that's a whole other topic. Uh, <laughs> why are we talking about this? <laughs> oh yes, for well, because we're sort of getting back on this truth idea, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it was making me think of the Foucault conversation, but I don't know if we should go down that route because we still have a bit to talk about here. So okay, let me get off of that. Yeah. Ah. Ah. Uh-huh. Anyway, yeah. So I'm glad we both highlighted that section. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I like this. So moving on. Yeah, because, okay, so the whole, to summarize the third attempt, right, she's talking about America. Mm-hmm. And this is the third attempt. The first was the Abraham second, although I would say second would be maybe Jesus and Muhammad, um, but she's specifically I kind of thought she lumped Muhammad. Jesus in with the Abraham one almost. She did. I mean, yeah, maybe it was more that way. Um, but the point is Abraham, yeah, Muhammad, slash the Saracen empires mm. and now America. Right. And, and yeah. And so she's, a lot of this is just examples like, you know, how the American revolution had no leader, for instance, and, mm. you know, she makes a lot of, and then she has a lot of sort of things to back this up uh, because that is quite a statement, obviously, if right. one might think it would be Washington, right. Or right. Benjamin Franklin, but it's true that there was like, they, they were trying to govern the Continental Congress was essentially in charge, and that was also kind of i mean they weren't doing a very good job Diffuse, it was always yeah. deadlocked, and yeah, it was very difficult to get things done mm-hmm. um, and and then she she goes in and talks about like how Thomas Paine was very important too is like this sort of unknown person mm-hmm. became you know and that's a big another big point of the third attempt idea. Where does she have it about like how it's the unknown people that are really the effectors when when right. you embrace freedom it's then the anonymous person and she gives this story about this American revolutionary who was you know he's a no name person, but he had this crazy story because he fought in the revolution when he was like you know pretty young and and yeah, and without him and thousands of other people that died in anonymity right we wouldn't have this third attempt right which is true um yeah and then um oh and then she also makes this idea that also 
actually the American Re Rebellion actually began in 1660 when Charles mm -hmm. II tried to restrict wool trade with England. Right. Um, mm -hmm. So that the Americas could only basically trade with England uh, because England needed wool. And right. this is where you got this whole, quote, free people then mm -hmm. that were like, okay, well, I guess we'll become smugglers now. This right. is kind of making me think of the Thaddeus Russell stuff of, you know. Yes, rene I was thinking renegade. that Because yep. um, well, she also talks about what, uh, what a diverse society colonial America was. Yes, yes. And, and also how, yes, it's true. Um, yeah, you had you had all basically all types of people, mm -hmm. and and even you know the the serfs of of the U.S. or right. of uh, of of Europe rather. Right. Um, right. A lot of them would sort of escape to America mm -hmm. to try to find freedom and and um, let's see, yeah, the People's War, as she calls the American Revolution. Um, and, oh, and then, okay, so she had, uh, this, I don't know, did you, well, hang on. I definitely it? did not get this far. Okay. Um, yeah, so then she starts talking about Thomas Paine, as I said, and the whole world for 20 years, Thomas Paine was the leader of the revolution. I thought that was, I don't know if, <laughs> how true that is, but mm -hmm. I, I guess, it, you know, it certainly, he, you know. His pamphlet right. was very popular, um, Rights of Man. Um, and, and I guess the idea here was that, again, something like that wouldn't have been able to be published right, in probably right. anywhere else. Mm -hmm. um, and the whole idea of property, that was another point she was making. Property was basically the reason that mm -hmm. Americans were fighting the revolution. Right. Was they didn't really have this conception of property before Mm -hmm. Before that, um, I mean, property is a wild thing, and the arguments for and against it are very and, confusing. And that's actually a foreshadowing of, I think, our episode next week. But we can talk mm. about that later because uh, we're going to be talking about copyright, which is essentially property. Right? Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Individual ownership of property was a daring aim of the revolution. American Tories vigorously opposed it. Jefferson fought them for years to get individual ownership of land recognized legally in Virginia. Um, private property is the first individual right that Lenin, Stalin, Mussolini, and Hitler abolish. Um, and, uh, and also she makes this interesting point about the etymology of democracy. Uh, mm. Yeah, so it was like, um, yeah, so a compelling reason for the long hesitation of these, okay, because she's talking about Madison basically mm -hmm. had a lot of points in the Federalist Papers, right? They made a republic, right? Right. Uh, about how democracy essentially devolves into tyranny of the majority. Yes. Um, and, and then so she's talking about how all of these people, excepting Franklin, were very well-educated men. They were English gentlemen. They knew philosophy and the history of the whole European past. And also they knew etymology much better than we do. They also knew the meaning of every word. This is on page 176. They used, they knew its Greek, Latin, or Anglo-Saxon root. Until 40 years ago, this knowledge was still considered of first importance in American schools. Mm -hmm. Every pupil at 13 and 14 learned etymology as he had uh, learned spelling since the age of six. Mm. Um, 
And then for and then she goes on. And for 20 years, the disciplined members of the Communist Party in these states have been deliberately following Lenin's instructions. First, oh, yeah. confuse the vocabulary. Yep. First, confuse the vocabulary. Mm-hmm. Which and then you think about how important. Like we'll get on these long tangents about well, what does this word mean? And so she goes on to say. Um, Thinking can only be done in words, accurate thinking. Um, And then today, when you hear the word democracy, what does it mean? The United States, of course, in England, the British Commonwealth, blah, 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 lists all these places um, where basically they all were sort of talking about fighting for democracy, even though, like, you had made this point, right? They were the social democrats, but how democratic was the, you know, the Nazi party. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, it was once... uh, so that is the world, the word has no meaning. That's what she says about democracy. Its meaning has been destroyed. It was once a sound word. It is a necessary word because no other has its real meaning. Demo, crazy, means rule by the people as precisely as monarchy means rule by one. So <laughs> demos, the people, was a fantasy imagined by the ancient Greeks in their search for the authority that they imagined controlled men. To this fantasy, they attached the meaning of God, right. which always attaches to every form of authority. And mm-hmm. there are still persons who believe that the voice of the people is the voice of God. Um, so in Ooh, practice, any attempt... An interesting thought. Yeah, yeah. Well, this, I'll finish after this. So, so in practice, any attempt to establish democracy is an attempt to make a majority of persons in a group act as a ruler of that group. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, what's your interesting thought? Uh, in the any any placement of authority is ultimately uh, tied to some kind of god. Mm. I find it interesting that a lot of the things that I, we're pushing on on Reddit, common arguments are it has always been this way. They're eternal style mm-hmm. arguments. And yes. God descriptions tend to be eternal. There tends to be argument that God is eternal, has always been. And so a lot of these types of authority that we're pushing on, like people like to argue that it has always been that way and will mm-hmm. always be that way, which right. to me is kind of a divine argument. Yeah, no, and it's, it's, I mean, this is why it's so hard to come up with a new idea and get people to go along with it unless you prove it by saying like, no, actually, I can make a, a steam engine and right. here's how, you know. Um, nobody's going to believe you until they see it and it goes back to, I think, that point that we already made about mm-hmm. how our mind is based off of our sensations. So in some sense... It is hard. It's not impossible to imagine something that we haven't experienced. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. what do you think of the the point she's making here about etymology and words? I think um, I. Well, it's a good question. Um, I think because she goes on to talk about property. Um, mm-hmm. That but, might be a lot for us to tackle right now. Yeah. I don't know if we have time, but, you know, I think her main point from this is talking about how, and she keeps t- just reiterating how Madison in the, in the Federalist Papers would say, mm-hmm. you know, like a pure democracy can admit no cure for the mischiefs of a faction, mm-hmm. you know. And so I think she was bringing up the etymology just to remind people, though I think we honestly understand this pretty well today, but maybe it wasn't as understood when she was writing that literally the word has baked in it rule by a majority mm-hmm. and 
you know, and then she's show she's giving all these examples of how majorities can be tyrannical. I'm um, not sure we do though, because I I find myself sure talking to people who we talk about how you know schooling should be made democratic or things should be made democratic, and what they mean is that power should be given to unions or something like that. Like a, a conversation a I was just having was yeah. they want democratized schooling, meaning that they don't want parents to have any influence over schooling. They want schooling to be run by school administrators, mm-hmm. which to me has nothing to do with a democratic idea. That just means that they have tyrants that they want. Yeah, I think most people go to the idea of voting because that's how you determine what the majority wants. Right. So it's a little bit... I guess, is that your point? Because uh, you said, I don't think we do, but you didn't say what you don't... You're, what point are oh, you... You're... I, don't, I don't think that it is broadly understood what democracy means. Right. Okay. I think that often democracy is used as a term for good stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, and well, so, that's definitely the case. Yeah. yeah. Today. So anything, anything good that's kind of governmental is democratic. Mm-hmm. And anything bad is like fascist or something yes. like that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's true. Um, that that's so. What do you think about this? Property is a legal human right. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I don't. I that is one of the that is one of my biggest confusions, and it's one of the things that left libertarian ideology is interesting to me because I'm mm. not sure that I am on board with. I'm confused by property. <laughs> well, she goes on. She says, "Undiscovered la- land is not property." Right. Um, no, you, you have to. You have to have manipulated it, cultivated yeah, it. That's yeah, that's what she's saying. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I I know that theory. I just I find property to to be one of the most confusing ideas. Yeah, it's tough. Um, it's definitely a tough one. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and then and that's where she goes on to talk about that. You know, that's what the American Revolution was essentially about. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I like, I am comfortable in the idea of property in terms of, you know, this being my microphone or something like that. Right, and yeah, and then she goes on to talk about how for a dozen years the rebellious Americans had been stripping their government to its naked reality force. Um, and then the de- Declaration of Independence was actually abolishing all government in the colonies. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah, and so I'll skip ahead uh, to, she has some interesting points about voting. Mm-hmm. Um, so she has a definition of voting. Uh, voting is mass control of a government that controls individuals. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, this is counter-revolutionary to these states, she says. Right. It's a revival of the ancient old world superstition. It yep. threatens every American, uh, America's home and liberty and life. It threatens the existence of the republic and the survival of the revolution. Absolutely. <laughs> Voting equal, equal bad. Right. And, and so she has, using this principle today, uh, so, yeah, so I'll just go on to read because I think this is kind of interesting. So this is on page 212 slash 213. Originally, the use of majority vote in American government was only as a check on government. Constitutional law gave a majority of taxpayers a quick recall of the men who assessed and spent their taxes. This principle is worth thinking about. 
Using this principle today would alter the structure of state governments for the people of each state determine the qualifications of voters, but the unique characteristics of American government is its flexibility. Oh, sorry, I meant to, <laughs> I'll just keep reading, but I meant to read the next part. Mm. But the unique characteristics of American government is its flexibility. Uh, Americans are always adapting the structure of their government to the new conditions that American energy constantly creates. A state legislature or a convention of delegates can always make a new constitution. Apply the principle of using the vote not as an imaginary and impossible control of men in office, but realistically in the American revolutionary way as a check on the men in office. The effects today would be innumerable. So this is a distinction that, you know, she goes on to make, but I think it's an interesting one. I mean, Mm -hmm. do you get that as a, you know, not using vote as a uh, control of the people in office? Right. Well, because you can't. But, yes, but as a check to. So I guess it's the idea: if they're not doing things well, then you vote them out. Right. I think is what she goes on. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. For example, no one but automobile owners would vote for members of highway commissions or pay for highways. So, yeah, it's a little bit more nuanced. But I guess she's saying if you're not directly impacted by what somebody's doing, then you don't get a vote on it. I right. suppose. They would elect the commissioners by direct vote, pay taxes directly to them for building and maintaining highways, and reelect or not reelect the commissioners frequently. Of course, so there's that idea of term limits that you know Machiavelli's talk about too. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, American government, and I want to read this because this is her prescription. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's a, kind of important to wrap it up, um, and I figure better just read it from her, right? Sure. Um, uh, directly for them for building and maintaining highways and reelect or not reelect the commissioners frequently. Of course, American government never should have interfered with highways. And this is, I already read this part. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, uh, it's an interesting point. Um, but yeah, I don't know how I feel about it yet, honestly, because I just sort of recently read this. So mm-hmm. I haven't had a lot of time to think about it because she's making a lot of claims obviously, but I think the idea of, you know, it's sort of the same idea of like, you know, some people talk about they'd rather have like a 16-year-old that can vote that pays taxes versus a 30-year-old who's unemployed and not sort of doing anything for society, right? Mm -hmm. I think that is kind of what her point is, is like if you're not directly being affected by the thing that you're voting for, this Mm -hmm. is the way that tyranny Right, can encroach. Mm-hmm. Well, because this is this is yeah. like the the craziness of the fact that most people kind of engage in federal elections and they don't really engage in local elections. Mm-hmm. And also, federal uh, power increases to expand its influence in areas that have almost nothing to do with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, well. <laughs> so, I mean, her conclusion then is just, I mean, she ends by talking about how, yeah, uh, essentially America, its goal is to spread this idea that all people are free to the world. Mm-hmm. We can argue about how well we're doing that now. Because she makes a lot of interesting claims in the war chapter, too, about how, you know, America has never started a war. And, of course, that's not true anymore. Right. Um, and stuff like that. So I guess 
I would be interesting to see what she thinks about the U.S. now, 80 yeah. years after she wrote it. Yeah, who knows? And I don't know. I think she would be probably very Unhappy. upset. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I warned you guys about the Federal Reserve now. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. You're okay. exhausted, well, so, aren't you? So what's next? Oh yeah. Well, I don't know. Should we? Do we feel like we wrapped that up? I guess we did. I think so. I mean, I I feel like I feel like we're we're kind of spinning around the same stuff now. So yeah, I just yeah. I mean, this true. is it's, it's it's new stuff you're bringing up. The voting stuff. Mm-hmm. The pro- it's all good stuff to talk about. I just feel like it's too big to start. No, no, I agree. It it's more of just I want to say like so conclusion. How do you feel about the book? That kind of stuff. I like, love it. It's my favorite. Yes. It's one of my favorite books. Yeah, I saw. You I think tweeted. it's my favorite libertarian-oriented book that I've mm-hmm. read. Yeah, no, I, I will say I, I enjoyed it a lot, too. I, and she's certainly a very good writer and, and a compelling writer. I don't agree with everything, obviously, right. but, you know, that's sort of I think par for this the is Anatomy of the State would be next, but that's, that's just an essay. But right. I thought we read, we read it. We read it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you're and saying the, next... I see. So I like, like this one the, is my favorite. I like yes. Anatomy of the State. Right. I like I thought, Milton Friedman's writings, but they're not mm-hmm. really anarchist, but they're re- very yeah. compelling. Yeah. And sorry, when you said next, sorry I, in life. So yes. yeah, yeah. Like first yes. Lane, then I get it. Rothbard. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And you know, so 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 you were asking about what's next. It's the so we're gonna have Brother X on. Yeah, uh, and he's got a book. Let me see if I have. Yeah, so it. we got we got intellectual property next. So we will get into property stuff. Yes, we oh, will. Uh-huh. Yeah, I don't remember the name of the book. Is over there. So it is called um, uh, "Listen: A History of Our Ears." Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we'll just. Oh yeah, and I guess we could talk to him about this. Um, I think the plan is just to do one episode, but I yeah. guess depending on how it goes, we might feel like we want to do another, but mm-hmm. we don't have to. And then I'm thinking after that. I do think it'd be kind of interesting to do Socrates' defense. Let's do it. And I think it's also split into three parts, right, if right. I remember. So it might actually work well for our format. Nice. Because um, he gets on a lot of interesting points about expertise in that, too, mm-hmm. um, and specialization, which nice. I think are interesting. And then he also talks about conscience, his conscience, which is his oracle mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, cool. All right, nice. and and right. yeah, and you're you'll go. I'll go make people on Reddit mad. Yeah, I was gonna say you're putting your helmet back on to go back in the <laughs> trenches. Yeah. Oh man, I wonder. Yeah. So I was saying, I texted you, but I was saying mm-hmm. that I feel like every week there's kind of a stock response that yes. I get like eighty times. I wonder yes. what it's gonna be this week. I guess it'll depend on what I. Put it'll up. depend on what you post. Oh yeah, and then we were laughing how it's like most of the time when you post in the anarcho capitalist. Yeah, they get subreddit. All pissy. They all hate it, but this for this last one, they liked it. <laughs> and the libertarian, I feel like they liked it. Yeah, too. the libertarian liked it. I feel like everywhere though, it's at least upvoted a bit. I'm not negative anywhere. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's true. Uh, that I capitalism like, versus socialism one is. Uh, yeah, it's quite a quite a subreddit. Uh, I had, did you look through it at all? Oh yes, it's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, and then there's that one guy who was just like obviously 13 or something. And funny because everybody, this is another stock Reddit response is to call whoever you're debating like, oh, I, a 13 year old basically. Well, I didn't notice anybody being 13. Maybe I missed it. Oh, yeah. Well, that's, it was just a common refrain, I feel like, to be like, oh, okay, now I realize I'm talking to a child. <laughs> it's just a, whether or not it's true, it's, it's an easy I way see, to belittle, see, yeah. you know? Yeah. And yeah, for all we know, it is true. <laughs> it's like, Could be. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, because there was that one person that was responding. I don't want to, you know, I'm not trying to dox anybody. Um, it's all in good fun, right? <laughs> at least that's how I think we yeah. look at it. Yeah. yeah. What, but it's fun. And it's just funny how visceral everybody gets about these things. It's true. You're just asking questions, and then somebody will be like, this is a low effort. Yeah, this is low effort, and I will not. Engage with this is like you're it's already like engaging with it. It's like you've contradicted yourself, and it's because this person said that and then engaged like three or four more times. <laughs> anyway, it's just funny. That cool. Also, his his response was like it was really dumb. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he 13. said something about plagiarizing, and I was like, I'm not I plagiarizing. He's yes. like, I wasn't saying you were. I was yeah. saying you need to make an argument without I plagiarizing. Know. I know. It's, it's like, just, I can do whatever I want. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. That was actually the first thing I was going to say. It's like, who made you the arbiter of this? It's like, <laughs> who are you? He's it's like, like, actually, he, I am the arbiter. Yeah. It's like, I'm actually Mr. Reddit. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we love you all, by the way. If any yeah, of you are even listening. Mr. Reddit, even Mr. Reddit. I hope there. I hope it is actually a last name. It's Mr. Reddit. <laughs> <laughs> Phil Reddit. <laughs> I should said I should Mr. or Mrs. It's Zer Reddit. Reddit, probably actually. Reddit. Let's be honest here. Yeah. Um, well, cool. that's cool. Yeah, I think we did it. All right. All right. Well, goodbye, everybody. Yeah. Goodbye. All right. Yeah. <laughs>